Welcome to CME on ReachMD. This episode is part of our Minute CME curriculum. Prior to beginning the activity, please be sure to review the faculty and commercial support disclosure statements, as well as the learning objectives. Welcome. I'm Dr. Dan George, Professor of uh, Medicine and Surgery from Duke University Medical Center. I'm happy to talk with you today about uh, hormone-sensitive prostate cancer management with my good friend and colleague, Dr. Fred Saad. Fred, do you want to introduce yourself? Sure, Dan. So I'm Fred Saad, Professor and Chairman of Urology and Director of GU Oncology at the University of Montreal in Montreal, Canada. Fantastic. Well, welcome, Fred. And uh, what a great GU ASCO 23 we just finished and uh, thought we could jump right in with some of the latest updates from uh, in this hormone-sensitive space. Uh, Fred, do you want to lead us through a couple of, I think, maybe some of the key uh, presentations there? Right. So I think one of the key presentations, which was an oral uh, presentation, was uh, some of the updated data on Aerosense. So I guess everybody knows Aerosense, uh, almost 1,500 patients randomized one-to-one to getting ADTN docetaxel, which was for a long time considered the standard of care for hormone-sensitive metastatic disease. And patients were randomized to get that standard of care, plus or minus darolutamide, to see if we can prolong survival if we do a triplet approach versus a doublet approach. And that study was clearly positive with more than 32% reduction in risk of death. The question that keeps coming up was, how do patients with high volume versus low volume or high risk versus low risk perform with this triplet? Is there a difference? And, and, and do we really, should we really limit this triplet approach to a certain population of patients? And so we were both at that session. I think it stimulated some discussion. The bottom line is we see the same kind of overall advantage survival, whether patients were high risk or low risk, or whether they were high volume or low volume. Now, when we get into statistics, the low volume patients were a small group of the patients who came in because, you know, because patients had to be both eligible or considered needing chemotherapy, there was a bit of a selection for the higher risk, higher volume patients. But the bottom line is we're seeing the same kind of survival advantage if we look at the hazard ratios around 0.68, 0.7 hazard ratio. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really interesting, Fred. I think with that, that point you just made about they had to be um, patients who were otherwise, you know, docetaxel eligible. So their treating physician felt that docetaxel was appropriate. Because remember, you know, this is being done in an era when we also had now uh, novel hormonal therapies like abiraterone available and for patients to feel like, you know, that the chemotherapy was really the appropriate, um, you know, treatment uh, regardless of randomization. And then obviously, you know, concerned enough to say, would we, would we want to offer these patients a triplet? So this was probably patients in general that we felt, you know, kind of needed uh, intensification or maybe what we might term dual intensification with chemotherapy and a, a novel hormonal therapy. And, and I, I think this really kind of amazing, to be honest with you. I mean, granted, the, the numbers are small in terms of the, the low risk and the, the low volume patients, but, um, but they were, you know, still trends very much in favor uh, of this, particularly in the low risk patients, you know, when you actually look at some of the breakdowns 
in the low-risk patients, they got as much, and in some cases, maybe even more benefit in terms of preventing scalable events and things like this than, than we saw in some of our high-volume patients. So it really suggests to me that risk is, although it's important, you know, it's really determined by that Gleason score. And, and volume and, and the, you know, is probably the real driver there. And so to me, anybody that has sort of multiple bony metastasis, you know, we, we really should be thinking about docetaxel chemotherapy and darolutamide therapy or, or dual intensification in, those pop- in that population of patients. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the patients really have to be part of this discussion. It's, it's unfair that it's only us that would decide you can benefit uh, and and others can't. I mean, in terms of uh, docetaxel versus NHT, we've heard docetaxel is not used anymore or very rarely used. That's true because we've always had to choose one of the four, one of the three novel hormones or docetaxel. So obviously the results are very similar. So why would you choose docetaxel? But now that we have the option of combining, I think we have to look at our patient and say, would, is novel, novel hormone, hormonal going to be enough on the long term? And if you think that patient might have clones that might be hormone insensitive, we really need to consider that triple approach up front. You know, and um, uh, what's amazing, and like you said, in the low risk, low volume, we're seeing some really tremendous long term responses. Um, and, you know, we're talking more and more about deintensification. How are we going to de-intensify if we can't get as close as possible to cure up front? So this very aggressive approach might actually allow us, with more research in two or three years, to say, well, we'll stop everything. There's no trace of disease. I think our biggest opportunity is up front. So I think we really have to just avoid saying only the very worst are going to benefit from triplet. It might actually be many more patients than the very worst that will benefit from the long-term benefit of having an aggressive upfront approach. Well, well said, Fred, well said. And I, I like that idea of at least offering to patients you know, more broadly now that we're not competing one therapy against another. I wanna switch gears now because there was something new presented at uh, GU ASCO 23 um, in, the, in the salvage space with radiation therapy. And we've all known that you know, salvage radiation therapy and hormonal therapy has been kind of a standard of care, but intensification in this space uh, has, you know, we haven't seen a, a tremendous amount of data. And there was a, a new really investigator-led multi-center effort uh, that showed some some fairly provocative results. You want to walk us through that? Yeah, so so very briefly, I mean, it, it, we've been talking about intensification in the metastatic hormone sensitive, but maybe if we can attack the patients that are not yet metastatic and do the very best, and we've seen results from Stampede in the very high-risk patient localized getting ADT plus abraterone for only two years. Well, here, these are patients that are recurring after surgery with relatively low PSAs, um, and they got six months of ADT plus or minus APA and abraterone. And what they saw is the patients that got the intensification with only six months, obviously a a, a subgroup, but the patients with PSAs above 0.5 with only six months of ADT and uh, apalutamide, I don't think we really need the abiraterone, had longer time to metastases. So metastases-free survival, long-term recurrence-free survival was much improved. So really a step in the right direction that maybe with intensification, we can 
avoid all these long-term needs for systemic therapy in these patients, that we might still have an opportunity to, to truly control their disease if they've gone through surgery and had a recurrence. Well, really exciting data. It's an area we need to make more progress in. And, uh, and obviously, we'd like to see you know, a more definitive, larger powered study for metastasis-free survival. But seeing that signal, particularly in that kind of higher risk population, as you defined by PSA, uh, I think super exciting and, and really suggests going to be even more opportunities for intensification early in the disease course. Well, thanks, Fred. This has been a great discussion. I appreciate it. Thanks, Dan. You've been listening to CME on ReachMD. This activity is jointly provided by Global Learning Collaborative, GLC, and Total CME Incorporated, and is part of our Minute CME curriculum. To receive your free CME credit or to download this activity, go to reachmd.com slash CME. Thank you for listening.